Greetings. One must not get one's knickers in a twist. Hello and welcome to the History Emporium and Powers podcast. I'm Ollie Green. Now, I don't think I'm ever going to get used to saying that name. It's so long. And plus, I haven't had any Powers on the show for a while. However, that is going to change because I have a few lined up. I also thought I would let you know that after all these many weeks of recording a podcast, I've only just realised how to use my microphone properly. So hopefully the sound quality will be a lot better. Now this week's topic is on Swarney Bean. Don't worry if you've never heard of him. I hadn't either. The only reason I knew about him is because I spent a lot of time up in Scotland and I lived there for a while and it is a big visitor attraction at the Edinburgh Dungeons. So before I go any further, I wanted to go on a bit of a side track. Um, I have just been reading uh, George Orwell's 1984. Now, I can't believe it's taken me 33 years to read it. Um, but wow, I I just need to recommend it to everybody. Um, I've only recently started reading George Orwell and... Um, so this is the second book of his that I've read. So the first one was Down and Out in Paris and London. Um, but 1984, I mean, please, 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 please read it. Listen to it. Get an audiobook. Um, get a comic. I don't, I don't know. But everyone needs to read this. I first became aware of Swanee Bean when I first moved to Edinburgh in 2009. I took a visit to the Edinburgh Dungeons. The tale is told and acted in a live attraction with lots of jump scares and even a boat ride in the dark. Brilliant, gruesome fun. The story is not fun though. It's far from fun. It's actually horrific and very, very true. If anyone has seen the film uh, The Hills Have Eyes, then this is based on Swanee Bean. Let me take you back to the 15th century in Scotland. Little is known for certain about his early life. However, Swanee Bean is to believed to have been born in East Lothian and was a tanner by trade. The latter part of his life is better well documented following his relocation across country to Ayrshire and his marriage. The newlywed Mr and Mrs Swanee Bean set up home in a cave in Ayrshire. Benet Cave was rather an imposing abode, with tunnels penetrating the solid rock and extending for more than a mile in length. 
In addition, the accommodation featured lots of side passages where the young couple could extend into and convert over the next 25 years to accommodate an ever-growing family. The cave's entrance was flooded for several hundred metres twice a day at high tide. Lacking trade, it was Swanee's plan to support his new wife with the proceeds of robbery. It proved a simple enough matter to ambush travellers on the lonely narrow roads that connected the villages of the area. Then it dawned upon him that in order to make sure that he was never caught or identified for his crimes, he should murder his victims. To avoid those unnecessary visits to shops and provisions whilst disposing of any evidence, he came up with a bright idea of butchering the bodies, to provide a high-protein diet of human meat for himself and his wife. The high-protein diet seemed to have been effective as Mrs Bean began to produce little baby beans, 14 little beanie babies in total, each with a very unhealthy appetite for human flesh. As the beanie babies grew up and in turn, through incest, produced more beanie babies of their own, their cooking pots increased in size dramatically. Over two decades, generations of beanie babies grew up in the cave, reflecting their skills of murder and cannibal cuisine including, and now, the lost art of salting and pickling the flesh. Finds of curious preserved but decaying body parts were discovered washed up on the surrounding beaches in the area. The local authorities had now established what must have been going on and what must still be going on to this date. The longest missing persons list ever produced, although mass searches of the area were carried out in order to locate either the missing people or their murderers, nobody ever thought to search the depths of the cave. As the years went by and the family grew older and thanks to their high protein diet they grew bigger and also the family grew so did their appetite as many of half a dozen victims were said to be ambushed and killed at some time in military style. The bodies were taken back to the cave to be carefully prepared for the larder by the women folk. Even in the best planned operations however things sometimes go wrong. It happened one evening for the Swanee Bean Army when they attacked a man and his wife as they were returning home from a nearby fair. One group pulled the woman from her horse and strapped her and disemboweled her before the other group had the chance to wrestle the man to the ground. Realising the fate that was about to fool him, he fought desperately to escape. Driving home in his horse, he overtook his attackers and he fought for his life. A group of 20 or so people also returning from the fair happened upon the scene. After a brief and violent exchange, the Swanee Bean army found itself, for the first time ever, at a disadvantage and promptly retreated back to the cave to consider its situation. As they retreated, they left behind the mutilated body of a woman as evidence, a score of witnesses and a very angry husband. The man was taken before the Chief Magistrate of Glasgow, who after hearing the tale and putting this together with the longest missing persons list ever recorded. King James I promptly arrived in Ayrshire with a small army of 400 men and a pack of tracker dogs, and together with a band of local volunteers launched one of the biggest manhunts in the country that had ever been seen. 
Like before, the search extended through the Ayrshire countryside and coastline, and like before, nothing was discovered. That was, however, until the dogs picked up a scent of decaying human flesh while passing a partly waterlogged cave, the manhunt was closing in. By torchlight, the troops entered the Beanie Cave, and with their swords drawn, they proceeded down the mile-long twisting passages and the inner depths of the Swarney Bean family lair. Nothing could have prepared them for the sight that they witnessed that day. The damp walls of the cave were strewn upon row upon row upon row of human limbs and body parts, like meat hanging in a butcher's shop. Other areas of the cave stored bundles of clothing, piles of watches and rings and heaps of discarded bone from previous feasts. After a brief fight, the entire Swanee Bean family, all 48 of them, were arrested and marched off to Edinburgh by the king himself. Their crimes were considered so heinous that the normal justice system, for which Scotland was renowned, was abandoned and the entire family was sentenced to death. The following day, the 27 men of the family met a fate similar to that of their victims by having their legs and arms cut off and being left slowly to bleed to death, watched by the women. The 21 women were buried like witches in huge fires. Bye-bye.